If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to our sermon text today, which is found in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 38. I'll read verses 1 through 8. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord said, says, Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with a wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and tell Hezekiah, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the ten steps it has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the ten steps it had gone down. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the, word of, the words of this sermon might be pleasing and acceptable to you. Lord, this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage today begins, In those days Hezekiah became ill. In those days... It immediately alerts us to the historical aspect of the setting of this passage. Or does it? You know, sometimes historical claims, or settings, uh, are a device that are used to introduce a story more generally. So, for example, if I were to say to you, in a galaxy far, far away... A long time ago in a galaxy far away, you'd immediately recognize that I'm talking about Star Wars. There are lots of stories that begin talking about in that day. And so sometimes when we come to the Bible, there's a kind of confusion that people have. Uh, how do we read the material that we find here? Is this something historical? Well, we know that Hezekiah was a real king, right? We know that about him. In fact, archaeologists have dug in, in the tunnel. There's a tunnel that brings water to the city of Jerusalem. That is a very ancient tunnel that archaeologists uncovered. And in that tunnel is an actual inscription. It goes back to Hezekiah's day. Hezekiah was a king. And he was a king of Judah who we find described in records outside of the Bible. Why would Isaiah record this historical passage? When we hear those words in this time, when we think of that, about a historical story being told, there are all sorts of reasons that we tell stories. There are things that we expect when we're reading certain kinds of stories. And if we don't think about what we're exactly reading, it can lead to a misunderstanding. Uh, and I think that the book of Isaiah is often misunderstood in our day because people don't know how to read it. And what that leads to is, is not so much that people 
take Isaiah and misapply it, what's more frequently the case is people just don't even read it. They don't even understand how this ancient word, these ancient stories are meant to speak to your life. Here's what that might look like. It might look like this. You open the book of Isaiah and you read this little historical anecdote and you think, well, that's odd. It has elements that are kind of odd to it. Uh, and, but what is that really, what difference does that make to my life today? It's not a story that's even long enough to entertain. It's not a story that really describes specific ways to act or to respond. And as you read the verses that come before and after it, you have all of these big names of kingdoms that are so distant. I want to suggest that this passage was preserved for us today because it, it, at its core is a truth that we can depend upon each and every day. But let's think about what that is. And it becomes by asking the question, why did Isaiah include this? You might notice uh, that this passage is word for word recorded in 2 Kings. Now, I suspect most of you, unless you have a, a Bible that gives you that information, you're probably reading Isaiah at a different time than you're reading 2 Kings, and so you don't make the connection. But if you turn to 2 Kings and you look at those passages, you'll find it's almost identical, the same material. So why would Isaiah choose to include this historical material in the wider story that he's telling? Well, one reason that we might just throw out there is because of the unusual aspects to the healing that happened. Uh, now, it's not unusual that a king who became very sick would get better and give thanks to God. Uh, I suspect some of you, in fact, I know some of you have been at death's door and God has delivered you. You've been healed from grave illness and you have joined Hezekiah in giving praise and thanks to God for that deliverance. Um, it's not unique that someone would be healed. What's unique is this sun and the shadow cast by the sun going back 10 steps. This miracle. You know, sometimes the miraculous claims that we encounter in the Bible are things that can be barriers to people. Uh, if that is a barrier to you, I hope you'll talk with people about that. One of the things that kind of breaks my heart is when I hear people who struggle with certain things of the Bible, but they never talk to anybody. Right? They never actually hear how to understand the Bible. And so they just assume that they, under, you know, that they see the problems and that there's no resolution to such problems. Uh, what I want you to be reminded of, right? There are claims of the miraculous in the Bible. And while this is a unique claim where the sun's shadow goes back 10 steps, or 10 steps, all of the miraculous claims involves elements of this. Whether it's Gideon's fleece that's wet and then dry, or it's Moses parting the Red Sea, or uh, causing the death of the firstborn, uh, whether it's Jesus, walking on water, or the resurrection from the dead. 
we encounter in the Bible the claims that the one who made heaven and earth interacts in the world in ways that are beyond our control or comprehension. That wasn't a only a shock to the modern world. The ancient world uh, understood that these claims were beyond their experience. But I don't think Isaiah included this miraculous healing only because it was a miracle. Isaiah places Hezekiah at this point in the book of Isaiah for a reason. Hezekiah is one of the only, one of the very few good judges of Judah. In all of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was divided in a civil war. So you had kings in the north and kings in the south. Hezekiah is one of the very few kings that's called a good king. And I think this is a reason that Isaiah is including Hezekiah's story in this sweeping book of Isaiah. You see, Isaiah is the message of the gospel. 66 chapters. Just like there will be 66 books in the Bible, the 66 books of Isaiah give us a picture of God's special vocation for God's people in a broken world. That God's people are given a job, a task, and yet God's people fail at every step. And that failure of God's people brings destruction. And yet out of that destruction, God is not going to release or let go or throw away his people. God is going to bring healing in a different way. God himself, the Messiah, God with us is going to come. There's a reason Isaiah is so frequently quoted in the New Testament as the early disciples instructed by our Lord and Savior came to see the, the fulfillment of what God was doing in Jesus. Isaiah is a picture of all of that. And right here in the middle, you have these four chapters, or these four chapters that tell the story of Hezekiah, this good king, this good king who faced off against Sennacherib. Do you know that name? I suspect if you aren't a, a lover of ancient history, it's probably one you're not familiar with. Sennacherib was a king of Assyria. He was a powerful man. The Assyrians were the power of that day. They destroyed the north. The northern kingdom had been completely destroyed and lost to history because of Sennacherib's predecessors. And now Sennacherib has brought his Assyrian army to Jerusalem and he's threatening destruction. All of the allies have capitulated. In fact, Sennacherib teases uh, Hezekiah and the people of Judah and he says, are you going to lean on that splinter Egypt? It's a, it's a staff that's just going to splinter your hand. He goes on to insult them even, even more. He says, look, if I were to give you all the chariots I could, you couldn't even put people in them. It would be like uh, our, our country looking at a, a developing country in the world and say, we'll give you all the fighter planes you need, but you can't even put pilots in them. Right? That's Sennacherib's boast. Sennacherib has besieged the city of Jerusalem and he even says to the inhabitants, and he says it in their Hebrew language, 
right, through one of his viceroys, he says, the only thing you're going to have to eat and drink is your own excrement. Sennacherib was at the gates and he was threatening destruction. And the people were terrified. You know what's going to happen to Hezekiah. He's going to be killed brutally unless he surrenders. Right? That's the only option given to him. And Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says, the word of the Lord has told me that he's going to deliver you. Trust. And Hezekiah trusts. Now, this is a reason that Hezekiah was a good king. And in fact, in, the very, in, in one night, the entire army of Assyria is vanquished. God is able and faithful. But you know, just because that one foe is, is destroyed doesn't remove all the foes, does it? I suspect some of you are here today and you have dodged some foes in life. Uh, those foes might have come from an enemy on the battlefield. Those foes might have come because of your body attacking itself. Your foes might have come through hardships. Too many to count. And yet, every time we are delivered from hardship, there are greater challenges that await us. And the same thing happened to Hezekiah. Hezekiah is delivered from Assyria, but then his own body fights against him. He's near death. He prays for God's deliverance, and again, God delivers him. At this point in the story, it might be where we'd want to stop. We'd want Isaiah to stop the story of Hezekiah there, because you have this wonderful example of a faithful king. He stood up to Assyria, and when Assyria was threatening and so dangerous, he didn't back down, and God delivered him. And then when he was facing his own physical mortality and death, he, he, he sought God's healing, and God healed him. But the story doesn't end there. I suspect the Egyptians would have ended the story there. The Assyrians. We have records of the Egyptians and Assyrians. You can go to the museum in New York or London or Egypt and you can uh, have read the work of scholars that have translated uh, the hieroglyphics. And the Egyptians tell us all about their victories. But you know what the Egyptians don't tell us about? Their failures. They don't include the campaigns where they lost. In fact, if you read all of the inscriptions in ancient Egypt, you would get the impression that Egypt never lost a battle. And if you read all of the inscriptions of ancient Assyria, guess what you'd get? That they never lost a battle. And we know they're not both telling the truth because at sometimes they're talking about the same battle. Israel's not that way, is it? The Bible's not that way. The Bible tells the story of Israel in a way that at times is painful to us. At times we read the Bible and we think these are the people of God? Hezekiah? Then you can expand from there. Abraham? Moses? I don't want my child to be like Abraham. In certain areas. David? And after God's own heart did all sorts of things that are wicked and sinful. And disobedient to God. And yet they're included. 
And Hezekiah, after all of this deliverance from God, Hezekiah himself invites the Babylonian envoys into his palace, into, his temp into the temple of the Lord, to show them all the wealth that he has. He forgets. He doesn't recognize. Or perhaps it's not that he's forgotten. He just extends this very logical assumption that the wealth I have is mine. Do you think you're ever tempted to do that? Is it possible in your life that you look at your, your youth? Oh no, I know it's not that. <laughs> For some of you it might be. You think about your strength, your money, what you've accomplished, your family, all of these kind of things and think this is what I've achieved. Let people look and marvel at it. And in fact, when Isaiah warns Hezekiah that this is going to bring trouble to the future generations, do you remember what Hezekiah says? He goes, well, as long as it's not my generation, I'm okay with that. Have you ever slipped into that thinking? Oh, Lord, I know there's going to be trouble for this nation, but just let it be somebody else's problem. Here's why the story of Hezekiah is recorded at this point in the book of Isaiah. It's a reminder to the people of God that even the best of kings are flawed and failed. Do not place your trust in princes. That means do not place your trust in yourself either. Today, of course, is Independence Day. I hope that you'll celebrate the good things about our country. There's a place to address the bad things about our country, but maybe just one day when we put that aside <laughs> and just be thankful for the good things. It's appropriate. You know who Patrick Henry was, uh, I suspect. Uh, we think of Patrick Henry as uh, he's sometimes called the Lion of Liberty. Uh, and that language is used to describe Patrick Henry because of his boldness before the British in, in declaring and leading uh, the colonial governments to stand up to the British. Uh, in fact, he famously said, give me liberty or give me death. I imagine you can quote that line of Patrick Henry's life. Patrick Henry actually practiced law in Stanton, came over the mountain. Uh, we have a personal connection with Patrick Henry, and yet I suspect, I mean, do you know why Patrick Henry is not as celebrated as Thomas Jefferson or James Madison, George Washington? Uh, you, what you might have forgotten and a reason that Patrick Henry kind of re, uh, backed away from the limelight after uh, the Revolutionary War is because he was opposed to the Constitution. Uh, Patrick Henry's voice did not prevail. And in our own day, it's a reminder. We can forget that uh, nations are always contested places of government. I'm thankful for our government. We want to pray for our leaders. We want to recognize God's hand in government and be active and participating and using our minds. But we also don't want to lose sight of where our trust rests. Trust not in princes, but trust in the Lord. 
Independence Day. I, I, I appreciate the fact that we celebrate this national holiday not on the end of the war that gave us independence. We celebrate it on the day in which independence was declared. It's a reminder that that liberty is always a work in progress. In a similar way, we want to be reminded that the life that we're being called to in Christ is a life where we are being set free from something. We are being given independence. Independence from that which shackles and binds us. Jesus said, the you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That quote is used widely. It's used as the motto of the University of Texas. It's etched into the walls at the CIA. Or so I'm told. No, I'm just kidding. I've not been to the CIA, but you can actually see pictures of that. But it's taken out of context, right? Certainly in that context, because it's as if knowledge of world events gives you freedom. Right? That's not what Jesus was saying. Right? Knowledge of how governments go about making their plans. That might be to the advantage of a government to know. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. If you look at John chapter 8, verse 31, notice what Jesus says in that passage. He says this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because what we need to be set free from is that which distorts our relationship with God, that which Hezekiah, David, Moses, Abraham, you and I are all afflicted with. The sin that breaks our relationship with God. And Jesus came that we might be independent of those shackles of sin, that we might be reunited with God. May we celebrate that liberation that is possible only through Jesus Christ. God grant it. Amen.